I really feel in my heart that in order for us to do what God's called us to do, it's going to require each of us to live a little bit differently than the world. And we're going to start this series today called Hunger. And this series isn't going to be what you think it's going to be about. It, it, it is hunger. Well, maybe, maybe some of you are sophisticated and you do think it is what it's about. But it's, it's how to be hungry for the Holy Spirit. How to be hungry for the anointing. How to be hungry for a move of God. How to hunger for something more in your life that maybe you have access to but you haven't tapped into yet. And so I believe that this series over the next um, however many weeks it's going to be. Uh, I want to encourage you to come each week because in week three and four, we will not be broadcasting those live. Um, I, I want you here. We're going, to, we're going to practice what we've been talking about the last eight or nine weeks. And so we want you to be in physical attendance for those. So you guys ready for today? All right. I'm going to get out of my slump because, man, I start singing that last song. We could have just, just hovered there the rest of the service. I would have been okay with that. Man, uh, he is worthy of it all. Uh, part of what I feel my personal calling in life is to help people to go deeper in your relationship with God. Uh, you can say it this way. I feel like I'm a doorway. <laughs> I feel like I'm a door. And, and I, I lead people to the door and show them that there is a more deeper, more meaningful relationship with God that you have access to if you're willing to walk through that door. I'm not going to force you through that door. I'm going to simply introduce you to where the door is at and then take you to a place if you're willing to walk through it. So there is this series that we're going to title Hunger. And the whole point of this series is to help you grow deeper in Jesus. I feel in this season that we're entering into as a church we are here to be a part of ushering in the presence of God in our community. We are here to bring hope. We're, healed. We're here to bring healing. We are here to bring a sense of peace to a lost and hurting community that we know as Norman. We are here to strengthen people in their personal relationship with God. And so we become vessels that the Lord wants to use. But is the vessel that you are the vessel that God wants you to be? The vessel that you are operating in in your life right now, is that the best vessel that God has for you? And are you living out what that's supposed to look like? In order for us to understand our calling and what God has called us to become as individuals, we've got to understand that we have to have a hunger for God. It is time that we get a fresh revelation of what it looks like to hunger for more of God. Once we get this revelation, we dedicate every fiber of our being to that revelation so that individually we can become what God has created us to do corporately as a church together. It is time to make a genuine dedication to living a life worthy of the calling that God has upon each and every single one of us. After most Sundays, today being the exception because we're going to hang out here and have lunch together. After most Sundays, you get in the car, you leave the parking lot, and in the car you ask yourself, what are you hungry for? 
What am I going to eat? Do I want chicken? Do I want beef? Do I want spaghetti? What, what are you hungry for? And what you hunger for determines the direction if you turn left or right. You can get out left, you can get out and turn right, but the thing that you hunger for will determine which way you decide to go. If you are in the mood for chicken, what are you going to do? You're going to go to your favorite chicken place. If you're in the mood for a good burger, what are you going to do? You're going to go get right, that's right. When you pull out of the parking lot, you turn either left or right, and what you are hungry for determines the direction of which you're going to determine. Your hunger determines your direction. If you are hungry to learn how to play golf, I know that's not all of you, maybe some of you, you begin to discover what it looks like to play golf. You buy magazines, you go talk to people about playing golf, you go hang out at the pro shop, you go get around other people playing golf, and, it, and you'll find out that your hunger for that thing begins to grow and develop. If you're if you want to be a good cook, you start watching the cooking channel. You get your favorite cook on TV and you start trying out some of the recipes and you call your friends over and say, hey, come try out this recipe. Come try out this thing that I've been crafting and I think you're going to love it. Because you have a new hunger for something, it causes you to get out of your comfort zone to learn more about that thing that you're hungry for. If you have a hunger for the anointing of God, you will begin to learn about the anointing. You will begin to put yourself in a position, in a place where the anointing manifests and you begin to allow yourself to abide in what a hunger for an anointing would look like. If you're hungry for the power of God to move in your life, what are you going to do? You're going to show up at church. You're going to start praying for people. You're going to start stepping out of your comfort zone because the hunger that you have for that area will cause you to do something that a lack of hunger will not cause you to do. Are you following me with where I'm going? When you're hungry for something, you are willing to do whatever it takes to learn, to grow, to develop, and become all that it is to be whatever that is that you're hungering for. If I were to ask uh, Kevin to go and build a fence, like a, a wood picket fence, he would look at me like I was crazy. Because he doesn't know how to build a fence. But if Kevin needed to build a fence at his house, what would he go do? He would start learning how to build a fence. He would go and uh, get a book on how to build fences or maybe go on YouTube on how to build fences. And then if he saw somebody out building a fence, what would he do? He would more than likely walk up to that person and say, hey, how did you figure out the triangle element of this door and getting all this fit? Because he is hungry for something, he is now looking for that thing. And when he begins to look for that thing, he will seek help and find direction for that thing to operate in his life so he can do what it is that he's hungry for. If you want to learn how to ride a motorcycle like the Riddles, what are you going to do? You're going to hang out with the Riddles. They're, they're really good at riding motorcycles. They go on trips with other people that ride motorcycles. Because they have a hunger for something, it will cause them to do something that gives value and uh, uh, commitment to that hunger. When you want the power of God in your life, you've got to become a person who is hungry for God to move in your life. It's time you start stepping out. It's time you start praying for people. 
It's time you start inviting people to church. It's time to start spreading hope to people. We said it just a couple of weeks ago that every one of us need the power of God in our lives. Hear me whenever I say this. It's not a matter of if you need the power of God in your life. It is when you need the power of God at your life. At some point, every single one of us will need the power of God operating inside of our life. And if you're not hungry for the power of God to be moving, you will never go in the direction of where the hunger can take you. I'm starting to get mad already, and I'm only four minutes into this thing. So we're going <laughs> to... In your notes, I'm going to skip that part. Write this down. My hunger determines my direction. That is the whole basis of this series of whatever you are hungry for will determine the direction that you want to go. What determines your direction? Hunger. Let's look in our outline here, and we're going to read... Ezekiel 44 for our text, and I've asked Adrienne to do it because it's a lot of words and she's better reading than I am. So follow along as she reads. But the Levites who went far from me, going astray from me after their idols when Israel went astray, shall bear their punishment. They shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the temple and ministering in the temple. They shall slaughter the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before the people to minister to them. Because they ministered to them before their idols and became a stumbling block of iniquity to the house of Israel, therefore I have sworn concerning them, declares the Lord God, and they shall bear their punishment. They shall not come near mm. to me mm. to serve me as priests, nor come near any of my holy things and the things that are most holy, but they shall bear their shame and the abominations that they have committed. Yet I will appoint them to keep charge of the temple, to do all its service and all that is to be done in it. Hold right there. Stay here. So in summary, there are people in this text that we're looking at. They are ministering in the sanctuary, but in verse 13, even though they were ministering, they could, come, they could not come near God. But yet they were still ministering. Hold on to that thought. But the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary, when the people of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister mm. to me. And they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood declares the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary and they shall approach my table to minister to me and they shall keep my charge. At this time, Eli was the high priest, but he had forgotten about what his duties as high priest looked like. He became very obese, uh, very heavy. He was consumed with what the flesh wanted of him. He was very undisciplined. Eli had been in ministry, serving God in the temple, and he even lost his vision. He physically lost his, his eyesight. Uh, Eli had two sons, and these two sons were messed up. His whole family was a mess, but yet he was still in the priesthood ministering in the temple. Eli was doing church stuff all the while immorality was going on. Eli had two sons who were doing the work of ministry while living in sin. How does this work? According to this text, 
Personal sin, follow me, does not stop ministry in a person, but note, only for a season. It's been crazy to me over my life, and when I got older, I, I stumbled upon this, and I actually was watching another pastor a while back, and I, I heard this principle, and I went and did some research on it. But it's been crazy in me to think that there's all these well-known pastors, big-name preachers, that they have huge ministries, great things happening, and yet later on you find out that behind the curtain, there's some crazy stuff going on. How in the world can these people still minister and still have altars full, still have lives being changed, but yet, you know where I'm going with that. Then I read in Ezekiel, and in your outline, Romans eleven twenty nine, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. When God gave you a gift, he doesn't take it back. The gift just works. Sin can be happening in your life. And for a season, God will allow that gift to function as normal. Just mention for a season. The question you have to pose for yourself, the gifts that God has given to me, am I living them out to their fullest potential? If the answer is no, what is holding you back? Address that and start operating in the gifts that God has for your life. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have your act all together. You just have to start walking in faith and allow God to begin to minister to you. But if you remain in that lifestyle of godlessness, only for a season will you be allowed to minister. I'm going somewhere with this. You ready? Let me say it again. I'm going somewhere with this. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Ecclesiastes 8, in your notes. Because the sentence against an evil deed, listen to this, is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. What am I saying here? When your attitude becomes, I don't want to do it, I will worry about the consequences later, or simply, I just don't care about the consequences. Why do we not care about the consequences? Because we read it right here in the text. Because the judgment of that sin does not come quickly. If every time you got in the car and you went over the speed limit and the, the, the radars in the sky scanned your car and up on your dashboard popped up a note saying you just received a $250 ticket. You do it the first time. You do it the second time. I'm willing to bet it won't happen a third time because you've learned where the consequences are an immediate action. There is a sub-reaction and you are not going to go against what the speed limit says. Are you following me? If you don't get caught, you will speed again and again. Then the next day, you will speed again. You might not get a ticket today, but soon your time is going to come. Because there is no immediate consequence to your action, you think you have gotten away with it. That is what Ezekiel is trying to say here. Your judgment for your lifestyle is not immediately, but eventually it will catch you. I told you I was going to be mean to you. I don't really mean to be mean, but there's just some things that we got to get straightened out here if we're going to do what God's called us to do. So uh, you guys okay with this? Okay, because I haven't gotten to the real mean part yet. Um, you can look at the word priesthood in this text as ministers. There are two types of ministers in the temple. We have number one, write it down, the priesthood of Eli. 
In this priesthood, people lived in sin. In this priesthood, people are messed up. They're behaving and acting in ways that are worldly, completely inappropriate. And I want you to understand this. You are allowed to minister in the temple in a messed up capacity, but only for a season. Look at the paraphrase. 44 verse 13. I will let them minister to them, but they will not come near to me. Because God loves you so much... He will let you use the gift that he has for your life and he will let you minister to other people. But look at the text. It says he will not come near me. You can minister to people, but you can't minister to God. I don't think you're grabbing that one yet. The Bible teaches us that the word of God will not return void. It simply works. The word is powerful. It is living. Someone who is living in intentional sin can still influence people for good. But remember, they will only be able to have an influence for a season because judgment will come upon them. God's grace will flow in your life to help you, but it will not allow you to stay there. But here's the problem. The people in this priesthood are ministering only to people. God will not allow you to come near him. You cannot minister to God when you're operating under the priesthood of Eli. God loves his people so much that he will use a donkey. He'll use a whale. He will use whatever means necessary to get your attention and to get your heart turned back towards him. But you've got to understand, if you do not do and live the lifestyle that God has called you to live, you will not minister to God. You can still minister to other people. Because God's word is powerful. You cannot overcome the ability of God's word. God's word will not return void. So you can speak God's word in sin and still see God's word manifest. Your gift can be blessing you. Your business can be successful. And God still allows it to take place in spite of personal sin, but only for a season. This is why you see some business leaders, they make bucket loads of money. They are operating in their gift, but they're operating in a way that only pleases man. God is not pleased by it. Man looks at it and, and they're impressed. But God looks at it and he's depressed. The priest, the ministers are sinning. But ministry to the people is still happening. But God said they will not come into the holy place where I am. They will not minister to me. I want you to understand this. You can minister to people, but you can't touch God. You can't come near to God. How do you come near to God? How do you, as we read a while ago in Ezekiel, how do you sit at God's table? The issue becomes when God looks at your life, does he see holiness? I'm nearly two-thirds done with my message. And we're just now getting to the title to tell you where we're going with this. If you want to minister to God, you have to hunger for holiness. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 
You have the priesthood of Eli. And then we learn about number two. You have the priesthood, write down, the priesthood of Zadok. The priesthood of Zadok is pure. It says in verse 16, these people minister and yet these people will enter my sanctuary and eat at my table. In this text, God is talking about personal holiness. You can have one of two relationships with God. One that ministers to God and one that does not minister to God. There is an outer court relationship with God. This is the priesthood of Eli. You can know God. You can want to know God. You can have a relationship with God. You can minister to people. This is where God's grace is so sufficient. He will allow you to have a lot of what he has for you. But you've got to understand, when you minister from the outer court, you will never minister to God. You do not get to sit at the table where God sits. In this place, you can still be a Christian. You can still serve God. But you don't sit with God. You don't minister to God. We see, then there's this inner place, this inner court, the priesthood of Zadok. And in this, in this priesthood, in this place, this is where we as individuals, we come and say, God, purge me of anything that will hinder my ability to sit at your table. Purge me of anything that will cause me to, to stray away from the holiness that becomes when we sit with you at your table. We see national ministers, you saw a big one just here recently, come into major scrutiny. I heard a pastor say the other day, uh, he oversees a lot of church plants, and he said something interesting. He said, the new church plants that are taking place are reaching more people than ever before, but the leadership is having more issues than ever before. God's grace will allow you to minister to his people. But he won't let you stay there. I'm going to show you why in a second. You can still operate in your gift, but only for a season. If they do not come back to a place of holiness, they will fall from God's grace and repentance will be made public. The message for every one of you is you have a calling from God upon your life. You have a ministry that's inside of you that will flourish inside this church. From the outside, it may look one way but what's taking place on the inside? If holiness is a part of your life, if holiness is not a part of your life, whenever you 
function in your day-to-day -day life. Are you functioning out of the priesthood of Eli? Where you've chosen to live in intentional sin. And God will allow it to, to, to stay in your life for a season. Or are you choosing to operate out of the priesthood of Zadok? Where you say, God, I want to be in your table. I want to be in your presence. A relationship that never gets to dine at the table with God is a relationship that will never be fulfilled. Your hunger determines the direction you will go. If you hunger for what the world offers, yes, you can still make a difference, but you've heard me say it time and time again, it's only going to be for a season. Both kinds of people are in this building, in this room right now. Both kinds of people are here. But only one ministers to God. There are two priesthoods operating in the local church, both ministering, both serving the Lord, both making a difference. But only one ministers to God. The priesthood of Eli. Himself and his sons were leading the church. But they were living in sin. The Bible teaches us that God warned Eli of what would happen if he continued to let intentional sin to be a part of their priesthood. They chose not to turn from their wicked lifestyle. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, so don't shoot the messenger. A curse was upon their family, and both Eli's sons died. Healthy guys. God killed them. <laughs> Only God knows how long he'll allow your season to operate in that lifestyle. Mom, if you want to come up to the keyboard. I don't think God will necessarily kill you. <laughs> We're kind of out of that, I hope, maybe. But we've seen time and time again, when you choose not to live a life of holiness, your personal life will come apart. Things begin to not work out for you. Things that once flowed freely begin to have challenges. Things that begin to operate effortlessly now, why don't things seem to work out any longer? I don't know why things aren't working out any longer. Holiness. A lifestyle of holiness allows you to sit at the table with God. If you choose not that lifestyle, you choose not to sit with God. I don't know about you, but I don't want a church full of people who aren't sitting at the table with God. That when we come, when we walk into this door, the power of God falls. The lifestyle of holiness manifests because we've dined at the table with God all week long. 
Instead, we have to come into this place and you got to start singing songs. You got to start preparing your heart. And it takes 45 minutes, an hour, two, three hours to get yourself to a place where you say, God, I want to live my life in such a way that I can dine at the table with you. We've got to break through the sin that's been taking place in our life all week long. But what if? We said, that's not the lifestyle for us. We want to be a vessel for God to use. We want to position ourselves in a place where the priesthood of Zadok, where Holy Spirit, you purge us. I believe that God wants every one of us to have inner court experiences. God wants you to minister to him. In your outline, we want to replace outer court appearances with holy place experiences. We don't want the appearance that we've been in the presence of God. We want the experience of being in the presence of God. There is a difference between the person who talks about Jesus and the person who has been with Jesus. We've got to become a church full of people who have been with Jesus all week long. So that way when we come together, together in the corporate setting, the anointing of God rises up. Whenever I come in here on Sunday morning, I'm already ready. Because I've dined at the table with Jesus. Friday night at 11 p.m., my whole family's been out for five hours already, and I'm laying in the floor in my living room. The presence of God fills my room. I'm saying, God, let me dine at the table with you because I want holiness to be a part of my life. Because in order for me to have everything that you've got for me, in order for me to become all that you've called me to be, I've got to live a life hungry for holiness. Because when you hunger for it, you will do whatever it takes to go after it. When you haven't eaten in a month, you'll do whatever it takes for a cheeseburger. If you haven't been with God in a day, in two days, three days, five days, why don't we have that same hunger? Because we haven't dined with God all week long. When you begin to have a hunger for something, it gives you a new passion for that thing. It gives you a new desire for that thing. My prayer today is this, that we live lives hungry for holiness because more than anything, we need to dine at the table with our Father. Let's stand. We're going to sing this song. And here's what I want you to get. I want you to examine your life and say, are there areas in my life that are intentionally living apart from God? And if there are, you choose. Totally up to you. I'm just the doorway. I'm taking you in. You go which direction you want to go. The priesthood of Eli or the priesthood of Zadok? The priesthood that's messed up or the priesthood that says, purge me, God, of anything because I want to dine at your table. Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com.
to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in, and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.